we do have a lot to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. Can we all agree on that? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is about what a grateful heart does for us. Because being thankful and being grateful are, are, are similar but yet different. Um, being thankful is in response to something that's been done. But being grateful is, is a place that we, we must reside. So uh, there's always things that we can celebrate. And it's good to celebrate, isn't it? Can we agree on that? It's good to celebrate. Having said that, I'm going to put somebody on the spot. And I'm, I want to introduce to you a new couple by the name of Mr. and Mrs. Kyle and Abby Campy, who got married yesterday. Can we celebrate with them? <laughs> I didn't ask them if I could do that because they'd probably tell me no. And so I'll ask forgiveness rather than permission. But there's always something to be celebrating, something to be thankful for. Uh, even when it's a new relationship, it's a new job, it's a new home, uh, we can be thankful in all things. But that doesn't mean we don't have challenges, right? We still have challenges. So today what I want to do is talk about what a grateful heart does for us. We're going to look in the book of Exodus chapter 15 and we're going to look at just a couple verses, uh, verses 23, 24, 25, and 26. And we're going to talk about the children of Israel and learn something from them about developing or the importance of cultivating uh, not only a thankful heart, but a, a grateful one as well. If you were to look up gratefulness in the dictionary, it would say that it's in response to something that's been done for you. It's expressing gratitude. It's about pleasure or contentment, and there's nothing wrong with being content in life, but we must have a grateful heart because the absence of a grateful heart can lead you astray. The children of Israel in the Old Testament were in Egypt, and there was uh, this slavery that was going on. They were in this imprisonment, and they were crying out to be delivered, so God sends the man Moses to deliver them, and as he leads them out, they start to do something that we can tend to do, and that is grumble. Do you know any grumblers in your life? They're sitting next to you. Don't look at them. <laughs> you looked. I saw that. Have you ever been guilty of being the grumbler? Well, yeah, we, we've all been there. But just like the children of Israel, they miss the bigger picture. And, and what happens is, is if you make that your lifestyle, you make that your, your uh, MO, the way that you roll, then all of a sudden, it turns into bitterness, and bitterness will lead to criticism. Criticism leads to uh, stress. Stress, what, stress can affect your health, can it? I mean, it just wears you down. You don't live out of the sweet spot of your life. And so then, all of a sudden, this ungratefulness, it, we start to become selfish in our lives, and because of that, we see stress increasing in our society. Um, Parade Magazine did this poll. They took a statistic statistic, can't say the word, but they said stress is taking a toll on our nation's health and the economy. Nearly 66% of all physicians, uh, all their visits are stress-related problems. It's costing American economy $150 billion a year in lost revenue, absenteeism, medical insurance payments, professional therapy payments, stress leave, and loss of productivity. Every week, on average, 112 million Americans will take medication to relieve stress. We live in a stressed-out society, don't we? Now, we're going to face stress, and I'm not saying whether to take medication or not take medication. I'm saying that in this world, that's what we face. And yet, God calls us to cultivate a grateful heart. Why would he say that? Well, I think we can all agree that God is our creator. Agreed? Okay, he's the one that made us, he's the one that wired us, he gave us an owner's manual to show us how we work, 
But we have to get into it and find out that when we choose a grateful heart, we function at our best. We're at, we're at our peak. And so he knows something that we don't know, and he's trying to get us to, to grasp this. You see, even our vocabulary reflects the stress around us and within us. And Benjamin Franklin's day, their adages, you know, their words to live by were so ingrained that everyone could finish what they said without not even thinking about it. Here you go. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't what? Make a drink. We know that. Uh, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Yeah. And so those were some of the words to live by in their day. And, and, and we have our own too, but I've noticed lately that our words, our adages that we come up with are all centered or they are wrapped around the negative, uh, the, the cynical, the stressed out, uh, saying things like, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Uh, I'm at the end of my rope. My life is completely falling apart. I'm about to have a nervous breakdown, we say. I'm at my wit's end. Why don't you fly a kite? Go jump in a lake. You know, we start adding things to it. Because we get all stressed out and we forget to recalibrate our hearts. We have stress hitting us from every direction. And one of the results of losing a grateful heart is that we start to grumble. Grumbling becomes the basis of our identity and our daily attitude when we, we choose not to have a grateful heart. And soon after that, we become very critical. We become critical of ourselves. We become critical of others. And what we end up doing is this. We, end up, we, we start identifying and seeing the evidence of God's absence rather than the, the evidence of his presence. We start looking at what's wrong more than we look at what's right. We start looking at what we don't have rather than focusing on what we do have. So if we're living in that kind of a world, what are we supposed to do? And that's a very good question, and God answers that in his word. He says that you and I must start with, with cultivating, begin with a grateful heart, he says. Yeah, develop that in your life. If you're here today and you're a Christian, no matter how many years you've been walking with the Lord, doesn't necessarily mean you're grateful. Uh, being a Christian and being grateful you, you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't truly be grateful without having Christ at the center of your life. But now having Christ at the center of your life doesn't necessarily or automatically mean that you have a grateful heart or a grateful attitude. It's something that you cultivate. It's something that you, you develop along the way. And he says, start there. He says, the goal is not to get to have a grateful heart. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's good to have that. He says, as a Christian, you start there. Well, how can I... How can I do that? Don't you understand? I, don't, I got bills to pay. I got people that are mad at me, my job or my lack of a job or what, what, whatever you want to put in there. When you and I start being grateful in the midst of our mess for what we do have, rather than talking and focusing on what we don't have, God can bless the little that you do have and that you're grateful for so that you can be entrusted with more. It's a, it's a very biblical principle, but he says, begin with a grateful heart. And you'll, you'll understand this, that pretty soon you get this thinking process that says, you know what? Jesus and I, we make a majority. We make a majority. When my attitude is grateful, when my heart is grateful, and I'm not saying when you feel grateful, okay? That's different. Choosing gratefulness and feeling grateful are two different things. I, I, I know people I've talked to that have gone through the loss of a, a son or a daughter or a husband, a wife. And they're sad and they're broken and it's a difficult time, but they still choose gratefulness. God pours forth an enormous blessing because 
he blesses those that understand Jesus and you, you make a majority. And when you cultivate a, a grateful heart and you're content in life, God blesses that. It comes right out of the scripture. So, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8 says, But if I have food and clothing, with these I will be what? Content. If you have food and clothing, today, I'm thankful that everyone wore clothes, okay? Y'all look good. Now, you may have looked in the mirror and said, yeah, but my shirt doesn't match my pants, and I need some new shoes, and my belt's wearing out. On the... But with these things, he says, the little you do have, when you become content with that, when you become grateful for what you already have, God, God wants to bless you with more. But he doesn't want to bless those that are grumblers and complainers, the ones that miss out on that heart of gratefulness. Often we have so many other layers of needs that are not met. We get upset. We, we focus on what we don't have and we complain about what we want and, and we miss the heart, having a grateful heart. We miss how important that is. I've, I've talked with some people who have gone through health issues and, and it blows my mind. I can watch one person going through a health issue, listening to a, another person complain about the fact that they didn't get the kind of car that they wanted, not knowing all along this person's facing cancer but yet their, their heart is grateful and they're content in life. How did they get to that place? You cultivate that. You develop that. You nurture that. It's not something that just comes automatically, but you get before the, the Lord and that grateful heart does many things for us. I'm going to cover three of them today. And it's something that you and I must develop. And we see ungratefulness. When I think of um, uh, ungratefulness uh, and grumbling and and all of that, I, I tend to go back to the Old Testament to the children of Israel. Now, I'm not picking on them, uh, but, you know, they're in there for a reason. The children of Israel set many examples for us to follow. God used them a lot. But one of the ones I picked up on or that I, I, I really focused on was when, when he took them out of Egypt and he was leading them to the promised land, what's the first thing they did when they left? Well, they grumbled. They complained. And they started saying, oh, you know, it's hot out here, Jesus. And or you know, it was Moses that was leading them. It's hot out here, Moses, and, and I need a drink. And they started thinking about what they used to have instead of what the Lord was leading them to. And they say, oh, if we had the leeks and the garlic and the cucumbers. And, and, and they were saying, if only I had the conveniences when I was in slavery rather than where I'm at now. It'd be the same as, as if we were saying, oh, man, if I could do a Big Mac would go a long way right now. If I could just have some Taco Bell, an Applebee's would be divine right now, you know, whatever. And they started complaining about what they didn't have. They weren't grateful for the fact that God came and set them free. They, they were in this bondage, in, the, in this slavery, and, and, and God set them free. But yet all they could do was grumble and complain. Now, before I, I'm too hard on these children of Israel... Uh, picking on them, I got to remind us that we too are God's children. And we can tend to grumble and we can tend to complain. And that's why he says, if you have food and clothing, if you have at least these things, be content and learn what that means. Cultivate a grateful heart. Because otherwise, you're stuck living in that, that, that bondage. You're stuck living in that attitude of, of slavery. Moses, they said to him, did you bring us out here just to be killed by the Egyptians? Did you bring us out here so that we would, we would fail and, and our graves would be right here by the Red Sea? Because when Moses led them out of Egypt, they, they came to the Red Sea. Now, I'm kind of setting the scene for where I'm going to go in Exodus. They're facing the Red Sea. It's huge. It's ginormous. The Egyptians are coming at them. They're stuck 
and they're saying, what are we going to do? We're going to die. And God does one of the most miraculous things. Do you remember what that was? He parted the Red Sea. Now, parting the Red Sea, anyone here ever parted the sea before? Anybody ever part the Mississippi? Anybody here ever part the water in your sink? No, we we don't have the ability to do that. But God provided a miracle for them, even in the midst of their grumbling. He was wanting to teach them something. And and what he did was he parted the Red Sea. Now, now just think with me for a moment what that would include. a, A ship. That, that goes into the water. The hull of a 50,000-ton ship sinks into the water, 50,000 tons, just to, just to be able to be in the water and split the water in order for the, sea, or the uh, ship to be buoyant on the surface. And when the ship travels through the water, the water closes in behind it, right, as it travels through the water. That's a lot of pressure. That takes a lot of strength just to split the water so the boat can float. But our God split the whole sea so that the children could walk around on dry land, get across to the other side, wait for the enemy to come through, close the sea, and thereby producing a miracle. And when they got on the other side, you would have thought they would have been a little more grateful. But what did they do? They grumbled and they complained. They wanted to be out of slavery. God delivered them. They said, God, what are you going to do? And they, 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 uh, they started to complain at Moses. And, and Moses didn't know what to do, so he's like, oh, this is not my problem. God, what do you say? And God parted the Red Sea. They get to the other side, and now they're hungry. They're tired. They're thirsty. And one of the first things they do is they say, I want a drink of water. They started grumbling once again, and they started complaining. And here's what it says, and this is what led us up to Exodus 15, 23. It says, when they came to Marah, which was on the other side of the Red Sea, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for the uh, waters were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it, the tree into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and a regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, if you will do what's right in his sight, give an ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, then I will put none of the diseases which I put on the Egyptians, uh, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Now, that's an important phrase right there. I, the Lord, am your healer. There's, There's a lot that's going on in this verse. God was speaking to the children, the ones that were given to grumbling and had lost their grateful heart. And he said to them, restore your heart of gratefulness. That's what he's telling them. Restore your heart of gratefulness. But they chose to continue to grumble and complain. For 40 years, as a matter of fact, they kept wandering around. A whole generation missed out on some promises of God because of their lack of gratefulness. Psalms 95 verse 2 tells us what we're to do. Let's read it together. You ready? Go. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. He goes on to say that we enter into his courts with praise. He says, when you come into my presence, come with a grateful heart. Come with a a thankful heart when you come into my presence. That's the key. You need to have a heart. I need to have a heart of thanksgiving. And the people chose to not have that kind of a heart. They kept a heart of ungratefulness, a heart of grumbling. And they said, uh, you know, 
what, what's in it for me, or why can't I have that? And they ended up missing out on the miracle. My question this morning at this point is just simply this. When it comes to having a grateful heart, where do you rate your scale if the scale were 1 to 10? Are you grateful for what you have? Or are there areas in your life you're striving and working hard to get to in your own strength when all he wants you to do is lean back into his gratefulness? When we cultivate that kind of a heart, God does the miraculous. And he brings new things into our lives. There will be times when you and I will will be delivered from that slavery, just like the Egyptians were. Because all of us, when we ask Jesus Christ into our heart, you and I were set free from the slavery of sin. Amen? Okay. We've been set free, so we are free indeed. But if we don't choose to have a grateful heart, we can start to slip back into some of the same patterns, the same routines, the same thought processes, the same family systems, the same mind games. That's why we must cultivate a grateful heart. That's why he says, keep moving towards my promise. And when you do that, you enter into the, the, to the kingdom of heaven where I can make you better, where I can make relationships better, where your life becomes better, where there's a heart of thanksgiving. Uh, one way to help make people better is to just simply recalibrate our hearts. Uh, recalibrate your heart. Otherwise, they'll be susceptible to bitterness. And, and it's one of the most dangerous things that's found in Exodus chapter 15. So what does a grateful heart do for you? What does it do for me? Here's number one. Write this down. Having a grateful heart will protect us from bitterness. It'll protect us. Why is God so stuck on gratefulness? You know, is it because the power of a grateful heart protects us from bitterness? Well, he knows this. He knows how we're wired, and he knows that we function, when we have a grateful heart, we function at our greatest capacity. And when we don't, when we're not grateful, we become susceptible to bitterness. It just creeps in there. We can become depressed. We can become discouraged. The result is criticism, slander, looking for what's wrong in people happens when there's not a grateful heart. And you start looking for all the wrong things. God says we've got to recalibrate our hearts back to gratefulness. Criticism is something that we have, been, uh, we have to be very careful of. Have you ever found yourself being critical of somebody? You don't have to answer that or raise your hand. You ever found yourself being critical of someone or something? And you're not usually that way, you know? But all of a sudden, you start feeling, feeling that way. And, and, and life just, you know, it's like you're just not satisfied. You feel half empty more than you do half full. You, 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 it takes on a negative spin in your life. Well, what about when bad situations happen? And they will happen, by the way. Bad things happen to good people, right? There's no, there's no better roses God promised us except the kingdom of heaven. But he said, in this world, you'll have trials and tribulations. So what about when bad situations happen? What are we supposed to do? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything that goes on in your life, he says, you are to have a thankful heart. That's hard, Pastor. I, I know. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. But he says, you must choose when life is difficult to have a thankful and a grateful heart. Uh, it was about... It was a number of years ago. We went to Florida to see uh, my brother-in-law and visit them. And we had, a, we had a great time. But have you ever had one of those times, those weekends, those seasons, whatever, when it seems like everything you do just goes wrong? 
Everything you touch breaks, falls apart. You just can't seem to do anything right. Can't catch a break kind of a thing. And we came back from Florida. We had cats at the time. And um, we no longer have cats. Uh, this might be part of the reason. But um, we came home, and when we got home, unbeknownst to us, sometime in that trip, the water heater in the basement sprung a leak. And so water had been spraying in our house. We, we don't know how long. But there was, a, you know, a good portion of water. And it's never a good feeling when you walk in the basement on the carpet and you hear squish, squish, squish. <laughs> you know, you're like, what's going on? The water was completely soaked. And I went into panic mode like anybody would do. But I could not for the life of me remember where the main water shutoff was. And so I'm now getting agitated, irritated, because now I'm aware of what's going on, but I'm also aware that I don't know what to do about it. And so I'm starting to just get frustrated, and finally I find the, the shutoff valve, and I'm able to stop the bleeding, so to speak. And just as I'm shutting it off, I hear Lisa upstairs hollering at the, about the cats. And I thought, oh, good Lord, what's going on now? Come to find out, the cats, while we were gone, we had at least one, it might have been two, I don't remember. Uh, I think I blocked it out of my mind here somehow. They decided that they didn't want to use the cat litter box. Instead, they wanted to use our bed. Yes. Think about that. All week long, they saw one big glorious litter box. Oh, and they, they were drawn to it. Now, we had one on, on one of those elastic, like, protector things that you put on a mattress. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But I wasn't thanking Jesus at the moment. I was getting ready. I was getting a shovel and a hammer, and we were going to do two funerals for the kitties, and they were going to go see Jesus, right? I didn't do anything to them. I wanted to. I just said I thought it, okay? But awful long and hard, too. And I thought, oh, my gosh, the basement's flooded. The, you go upstairs, and it just smells like a cat box everywhere you go. I'm mad. I'm irritated. We get the blankets off and, and the sheets off. I mean, there's no taking a comforter to a washing machine, and you're going to cuddle up in that thing and comfort anymore, right? It goes in the garbage. You're getting, you're getting new stuff. And so we got rid of all of that, and we went over to mom and dad's because we had to do some laundry, but we couldn't because the water shut off. So I dropped Lisa off there. I head to the, uh, to the uh, laundromat down there, and I get one of those big industrial washing machines, and I put that big, uh, I, I can't think of the name of it, but you know what I'm talking about, that sheet that protects uh, the bed, has elastic on all the corners and all that. I shove it in there. I wash it. I finally catch my breath. Oh, okay. And I'm kind of relaxing a little bit, but I'm just still irritated. I'm tired. We had just driven from Florida and ran into all of this. My house is falling apart. My cats are demon-possessed. I, I, I'm not allowed to go to sleep. You know, this is how I'm feeling. Is, is my life is going right now. And I get the sheet out of the washer. I put it in the car. And I, I, I go to pick up Lisa. But, I'm, uh, but I think before I did that, I went home. I took the sheet home. And now you got to remember that thing that protects the comforter has those elastic corners, I said, right? So unbeknownst to me, every corner has a pocket of water in it. And I'm, yeah, you can tell where this is going, can't you? I'm not in any great mood, so I just grab it and I just yank it out of the car. And when I did, in the middle of, it was January or February, I baptized myself with all this water that's in there. So now I'm tired, I'm grumpy, I'm dopey, I'm all the other dwarfs you want to name there, irritated, frustrated, mad. I want to say some things that maybe I shouldn't. You know, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm about to lose my stuff, right? 
And I go in the house, I put that on there, I change my clothes, and I go to pick up Lisa. I'm completely tired. I know where my dad lives. I know where my mom lives. But for some reason on this particular day, instead of pulling up their driveway, which goes up a lane, I pulled up their neighbor's lane. And I'm not even paying attention. I stop the car. I go to get out. I look up, and I'm like, where am I? And I'm like, I completely picked the wrong driveway. And I just kind of had one of those meltdown moments. You know what I mean? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Everything, I, don't, I can't even pull in a driveway. I can't think straight. I can't drive right. I know where my parents live. How I, and I'm just losing it. And that's when the Holy Spirit showed up. And it's always good when he shows up in those moments, right? It may not feel like it at that moment, but the Holy Spirit showed up. And it's almost as if I just saw him kind of, something just say, hey, Jim. I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> didn't say that, but, but he just showed up and he says, Jim, are you thankful for what you have? And you remember Peter in the Bible, do, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. And then he came back, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I told you I love you. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you, right? He, he, well, why did he do that with Peter? Because God knew it. He needed Peter to get to know it. And it's almost like God did that with me. He goes, Jim, are you thankful for what you have? And I said, yes, yes, you know I'm thankful. I have to say that. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. You know, and he's like, okay, that really was pathetic. Um, Jim, are you really thankful? Yes, yes, I really am. And I meant it, but I still had attitude behind it. You know, and the third time he says, Jim, really? Are you thankful? And I went, I don't know. You know, yeah. And I looked around, and I started thinking about some other things. Well, I have a house, at least that, though my cats did what they did and my water heater broke, well, my house is still standing. And I, I, start, I started thinking about, it's almost like he prompted me, what else are you thankful for? Well, I'm thank, thankful we got to go to Florida and, you know, this time our car didn't break down. <laughs> thankful for that. What else are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for my wife and my, 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 my kids and I'm thankful that I, you know, I'm I mean, really, I hate going to the laundromat, having to do this, but at least I got a car that gets me there and back. All of a sudden, I started focusing on the things I did have rather than the things I didn't. And before long, my attitude changed. But my attitude only changed because I was choosing a grateful heart. I'm not here to tell you today that you just need to have a grateful heart and your life will be a bed of roses. Everything will be better, just like that, zip, zip, zip. I'm saying that in your darkest times, your deepest struggles, that as you journey through life, good and bad, on the highs and the lows, choose to have a grateful heart. Don't just remember God and his goodness when you're on the mountaintop or when you're in the valley, but remember him on the mountaintop as well. As you go through the journey of life, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. Cultivate, choose, develop a grateful heart. And when you choose to do that, it changes your whole perspective on life because now you see life the way God sees it instead of just the way that you see it. You see, when you get into a negative thought process and it starts spinning out on you, it, 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 it's like a snowball. It just takes off on you and it gets bigger and bigger and it goes faster and faster until it's out of control and all it brings is destructions. Sometimes we bring on circumstances in our life because of our own choices, when we make poor choices. But even when that happens, you can say, God, forgive me for those choices, and he can turn those things around. But here's what it ultimately does, is, is it protects you from the bitterness, it, and it won't let outside storms become inside storms. 
You know what I mean? I, I, I can drive through the middle of a storm in my car, and, I, and I'm good. I don't like the storm, but, but it's okay. If it's snowing and it's a blizzard and all that, that's, that, that's fine. But if I have no windows and no doors and no windshield, and I got to go through that storm, that outside storm is now becoming an inside storm, and it's going to be way worse. When you choose a grateful heart, it's not guaranteeing you that you won't go through storms. It's just saying it will protect you in the midst of the storm that it is that you're going through but you must choose it. What happened to the children of Israel is they allowed grumbling to take place. It says that they grumbled at Moses saying, what shall we drink? Arriving at the lake that they were at, Mara, um, God was still going to, he was, he's their provider. God is our provider, amen? Can we agree on that? He provides all that we need all, all, to be taken care of. Now, I know people want to argue, well, he doesn't, provide enough for me. I, I think he does. You're breathing, you're clothed, you're doing well. But my point is simply this. When God gets you through one situation, do we have a heart of gratefulness? Do we thank him for what it is that he's done? Or do we just expect him to keep showing up and doing all the things the way that we tell him to? Because here the children of Israel, they saw God do the unthinkable. It was the miraculous. The Red Sea was split. They got through. And what's the first thing they did? I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Are we there yet? You guys have had some of those kids in the car, haven't you? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And sometimes, if we're not careful, we can do the same thing in our journey with, with God. Um, one day, the disciples in the, in the Gospels or in, in the New Testament, they came back and they said, God, we're so excited because demons are subject in your name. And do you know what the Lord said? He said, correct your heart back. Correct your heart back. And they said, what do you mean? And he said, if you want to rejoice about anything, rejoice in this, that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He was saying, keep a grateful heart. Not about what you can do or what you have. Correct it back to who Christ is in you because that's what protects you from all bitterness that you will face in life. That little bullet there, I said, that's what we have to do. Recalibrate an ungrateful heart. If you want to protect your heart from bitterness, recalibrate an ungrateful heart. Just like a GPS. When you're driving down the road and you're supposed to turn right but you go straight, what does your GPS say? It says recalibrating, recalibrating. Let the Holy Spirit recalibrate your heart, and watch what God will do. Uh, God showed the people that in just a little while, he was going to open up a, a, a fountain of water out of a rock. But before they got to that place, they were at the waters of Mara, and the waters were bitter, and they grumbled and complained. God did not have to create something to happen. The answer was right in front of their face. We, we read it in that scripture. It says in verse 25 that Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. The Lord showed him a tree, and he said, throw the tree into the water, and the waters, when the tree was thrown into it, went from bitter to being sweet, that's what the Bible tells us. But what I want us to focus on is this, because you might at this point want to go, well, how did that happen? What kind of tree was it? You know, what were the minerals in the water and the consistency of the tree? No, you're missing the bigger picture. The tree was there. The answer was there. It was in front of their face, but they couldn't see it because they had an ungrateful heart. What's my point? 
Whatever you're going through right now, if it's a difficult situation, if you've got a, a dream that you've been dreaming about, an answer you've been looking for, it could be the answer's right in front of your face, but you can't see it because your heart's not calibrated or recalibrated properly. And when we do that, all of a sudden, it, it, it guides us, it guards us. Not only does it protect us from bitterness, but number two, it, a grateful heart opens our eyes to the answers that we need in life. We all need answers because we've got a lot of questions. We all need direction. And when you have a grateful heart, it opens up your eyes to see the answers. Because grumbling will cause us, uh, the only thing that accomplishes is, is it causes us to focus on what we don't have. And when we focus so much on what we don't have, we miss the very things that we do have that are right in front of our face. We'll say things like, I need more money. We need bigger budgets. I need more influence. We need more people to notice us. And the Lord is saying, uh, what do you have? Because I'm going to do a miracle with what's right in front of you. Right in front of you. But if you don't recalibrate your heart back to gratefulness, that answer will go unseen. And you won't even notice it. You could run into a problem and you'll say, there's no way out of this. It's irreconcilable. There's nothing good can come of this. But God can do the miraculous if you have a grateful heart. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. They didn't give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. It comes down to thanks. They didn't have a thankful heart. They didn't have a, a, a grateful heart. And when we don't give thanks, do you see what happens to our heart? Again, thankfulness, gratefulness. I'm not just talking about thanking people. Uh, thank you for holding the door for me. Thank you for getting me this. You can be thankful. That's great. But cultivate a heart, a lifestyle of gratefulness. So you're looking for the good in things instead of the bad. Isn't it true that in this world we become more cynical? We, we start looking for what can go wrong rather than for what can go right? Well, one of the reasons for that is, is we live in a sin world. And so I, I can understand that. But he says, even in the world that I've placed you, look for me in it. Cultivate that grateful heart. Because here's one of the things that we'll, what we'll learn as we cultivate this. He said, I pray that the eyes of my, uh, that the eyes in the word of God, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what the hope of his calling is. What are the riches of his glory and his inheritance and his saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? He's speaking this of Paul in the book of Ephesians. And he's basically saying this, you're going to face difficulties, but if you cultivate a grateful heart, you'll pick this up, that little bullet there right down. In every affliction, you're going to learn a lesson. In every affliction that you face, there will be a lesson that can be learned. I wish I could tell you today that, that you will never have to worry about facing any problems. There'll be no more afflictions, no more trials, but, but that's not biblical at all. It says that we will face them, but when we face them, he says, with a grateful heart, there's lessons that we can learn in the midst of it. Paul prays that an outside storm doesn't become an inside storm in 2 Corinthians when he says, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. How can he say that? Because he's cultivating a grateful heart. When we run into some problems, some momentary light afflictions, uh, they are to produce within us this eternal weight of glory that goes far beyond all comparison, the Bible says. There is, in other words, something greater than us. 
And that's God. But we only catch that when we cultivate a grateful heart. We are to look not at the things that are seen, the situations, the problem that you're facing, but at the things that are unseen, the eternal gems along the way. You see, if you can't be thankful for the little you have, why would God bless you with more, right? I, I remember, uh, you know, Lisa and I learning this principle. When we first got married, uh, and I'm not going to give you the whole breakdown, but when we first got married, we weren't Christians. Um, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and we, we got married. We, we got an apartment here or there. Then eventually we got our hearts right with the Lord. We ended up going to Bible college. And this is where in my my version or my what happened in my heart was I learned about gratefulness in Bible college when we were in this little teeny tiny apartment. And um, it's not like we had anything great before that, but we moved all the way down to Dallas, Texas. We knew nobody. We didn't have any friends. We didn't have any family. It was just Lisa, Jim, and Jesus. And that scared me. Probably scared you too. But how many of you know that when you, when you lean into Jesus, you and Jesus make a majority? And um, we were in this apartment, and it was a tiny apartment, and we chose to be grateful. I mean, you could literally, to clean the apartment, it, you know, it felt like you could reach one arm over here, clean this wall, reach your arm over here, clean this wall, right? You know, it's a little bit bigger than that, but, uh, you know, but here's what we did is we were thankful. Lord, we thank you for this apartment, this time, this season in life. We don't know what's next. We don't know what time you know, the future is going to hold. All we know is we're grateful that we're where we're at now. Please help us not stay comfortable or content to remain here. Help us to grow. And he did. But the problem is, is when you ask God to help you to grow, he always teaches you through some adversity or there's lessons you learn along the way that stretch you. And we don't like that. We would rather not be stretched. We would rather not have adversity. How many of you here have car insurance? Did I ask you this already or was this first service? You have car insurance? How many have health insurance? Huh? How many have life insurance? How many of you have got that insurance and haven't had to pay a premium at all? None of us. There's always a price tag. There's always a cost involved. I would love life insurance, car insurance, health insurance, that I didn't have to pay a premium, but I got the complete full benefit of. It's unheard of. That doesn't happen. And when you and I go through trials when we go through hard times and we're willing to make the right choices and we're willing to invite Jesus into the middle of that, he says that though it may be a hard time for you, when you choose a grateful heart to honor the Lord, he says that he brings forth the miracles within your life. We were thankful for that little apartment that we had and God eventually blessed us with some, one that was a little bit bigger and then we're able to get into a house and we remain thankful to this day because we remember what it was like in that moment. And when we chose to be grateful, God blessed that. Does that mean we never face challenges? No, we, we face them. We still face them, but we remain grateful. And that's what all of us are to do. We have to retain a grateful heart because if you don't, bitterness creeps in. And when that bitterness gets in there and you don't recalibrate your heart, then you can't see what God sees. And you get angry you get mad. You rebel. Uh, is there even a God? Well, it's not, that, that's not the question. Have you recalibrated your heart so that you can see him? So that you can see what God is doing in your heart? Because when you can do that, the number three, write this down, a grateful heart will bring wholeness into your life. 
It'll bring wholeness into your life. Not only does grateful, gratefulness keep us from bitterness, but it also keeps us whole. So we're not just defensive, it's offensive in a way, not as in offending somebody, but often we say, God, here's a problem, give me the solution and I'll be grateful. And God says, no, no, no. He says, I want you to choose to be grateful even when you don't have the solution so that when I do bring you the solution, you'll be thankful for it, whatever the solution is. Many times we want God to work on our timetable, but God is saying, no, I want you to work on my timetable. I want you to cultivate that, that grateful heart because when we can choose to do that, God can then bring forth the miracles. When you and I are grateful, when we recal recalibrate our hearts to gratefulness, what we can do is just sit back and watch the solutions pop up, right? How many of you are working so hard to try to find an answer to your problem? He says that when you cultivate a grateful heart and you know that you're doing what you're doing is right and you're, you're seeking the Lord, you can just sit back and watch God bring up the solution. Many times what we do is we work harder, we work longer, we lose sleep, we miss meals, we have fights and arguments, we tick people off and people tick us off. And that, 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 that happens, I get that. But it's because we're trying to get to this goal. He says, but if you would just cultivate that heart of gratefulness and sit back and trust me, he said, I'll bring the solution. There's been many times, and it, it's hard to just sit back and trust the Lord sometimes because you're placing literally all your faith in what God says. But when you do it, he always comes through. There has not been a time when I've trusted the Lord that God has not come through. As a matter of fact, every time that I've trusted the Lord and he's told me, Jim, take your hands off of it or whatever it is God told me to do. Go left, go right, choose this, choose that. If I just simply obeyed and followed his direction, I would sit back. And not only did the answer come, but it came to me 10 times better than what I could ever have come up with. God always wants to bless us with more. But before he can do that, he wants to know if we have a grateful heart. He said, if you give earnest heed to my voice, if you do what's right in my sight, if you give ear to my commandments, keep all my statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. God is our healer, amen? Amen. When you're going through something, he's the only one that has the answer. Yes, doctors have answers. There's home remedies. There's all that. But there's, it's only there because God has given it. And he's not saying here, if you do all these things, I won't put the diseases on you. He's not threatening them. He's not saying do it or else. That's not how he's coming across. He's saying that when you follow my lead, you obey my commands. He says, you don't have to worry about this because when you're living outside of, of, of um, gratefulness, it creates bitterness anxiety, anger, stress. Stress has a way of wearing you down. When you lose sleep and you lose meals and you start getting ulcers, that affects the body, doesn't it? And it starts to tear you down. What he's saying is, is when you follow my commands and cultivate this kind of a heart, he said, I, the Lord, your healer, will guard you, guide you, protect you. He's making a covenant of help with them at this point, with the children of Israel, in the midst of teaching them about gratefulness. The Lord said, if you understand this principle of a grateful heart, the power of a grateful heart, then you will follow me. You don't have to stay at a distance. There can be an intimate relationship. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called. And then it ends by saying, And be thankful. It's all over the Word of God. He talks to us about being thankful. And as we've just come through this holiday season of Thanksgiving, I don't know about you, but... 
when I was growing up, we'd all have to go around the table and say what you're thankful for, you know? And, you know, I remember it, and I look back on it, and it was a fun memory, but I remember every Thanksgiving being like, oh, great, I've got to come up with something I'm thankful for, and I've got to try to mean it, right? That's a great attitude, isn't it, you know? Uh, but how many times have we been guilty of uh, maybe coming into the presence of God with the same thing? Oh, great, I've got to come up with something, and I've got to try to mean it, you know? And I found out as we got older, we did that with our kids a couple times. Uh, what are you thankful for? And I found myself doing that because I really wanted to know as a father, what are you thankful for? And when I did that, I couldn't help but think, how much more does God want to know what I'm thankful for? You see, you may have your moment at some point. I don't know, maybe you've had it already. When you end up in your dad's neighbor's driveway, about ready to lose your mind because everything's falling apart, wondering how you can get through it all. It happens when you cultivate a grateful heart. He says, in everything, this is a bullet in your outline, in everything, give thanks. That's how you overcome. You cultivate that grateful heart. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God. It protects your heart from bitterness to just come and say, Jesus, I thank you. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why. But Lord, I'm just simply saying thank you. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for the next breath of air that I get to breathe because I don't deserve it necessarily. I haven't earned it. I can't create anything in that realm, but you can, and you gave it to me. And so, Jesus, I, I just simply say thank you. Lord, I'm grateful for my family. Yes, I know families can be messed up. I know we can have, you know, family trees that are all looking different, but we're thankful that we can at least be part of one. And there's times when even God has spoke to me and he said, yeah, Jim, give thanks in everything because it's the will of God. Why? Well, it's because God loves it when his children come to him with an appreciative heart. Think about it. You give your kid a gift, you love it when they appreciate it, right? Uh, I used the illustration last week, but if somebody comes and gives you a gift and goes, here, here's your gift, and throws it at you like that. How much do you appreciate the person that gave it? Not very much. Because their attitude is far from gratefulness. God says, I want you to draw near to me so I can reveal to you that as you cultivate a grateful heart, there's some miracles I want to unleash in your heart and in your life. But I can't do it until you get to this place of being grateful in all things. In the hard times even, especially in the hard times. You mean when my, my world is falling apart? Yes, you stop and you simply say, thank you, Lord. Help me to see what you see because all I can see right now is everything that's falling apart. All I can see is that my needs are going unmet. All I can see is that the money's not coming in. All I can see is what's not happening. Jesus, I want to see what is. His answer would simply be, as you recalibrate your grateful heart, I will give you my eyes to see what it is that I see. And you will wonder how you ever doubted or questioned in the first place. Because God always blesses his children when they have a grateful heart. It's a wonderful principle on how God makes people better to enter into his promise. It's when we recalibrate our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we, we do simply want to say thank you. Lord, we thank you for all that we have, all that we can do, all our abilities. Lord, it's easy to say thank you in the good times. 
but it's in the bad times or the difficult times or the challenging ones that sometimes we forget to stop and say thank you. Lord, we don't want to just thank you from the mountaintop when things are going well. We don't want to just say thank you and develop gratefulness in the valleys when we're in trouble because we're in trouble. Lord, we want it to let it be a part of our MO, the way that we operate, a rhythm in our life. Cultivate within us a heart that's grateful so that, Lord, we can see what you see. Lord, guard our hearts from bitterness that tries to creep in and help us to become whole and complete on the inside, lacking in nothing because we have cultivated that kind of a heart. And when the challenges, uh, the temptations, the distractions arise, help us to see those for what they are and to keep our eyes fixed on you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, church. Go ahead and stand this morning. We're going to get ready and do our closing prayer. Let's do this together. Father, help me to live this day to the full, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help me to give myself away to others, being kind to everyone I meet. And Spirit, help me to love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all I do and say. Amen. Have a great week.